message tonight. It's more straightforward. And it's more calling out the people, the nation, for what has happened. Not going into details, but what has happened in the earth today. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 1, please. Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 20. Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel and none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh in desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Let us pray. Father, take your word again this evening. And for every person that comes on to watch live or later, we ask you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and may we have eyes to see, may we have ears to hear. May you bring it to understanding, Lord, and may this nation, this country, this people, may they cry for mercy unto you. Father, forgive us for our sinning before you. Forgive us, Lord, for our breaking off your law. Forgive us, Lord, for what we have allowed to happen in our nation. Forgive us, O God. We pray, Father, that your mercy would find us and grace would abound, that your name would be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to call this evening or entitle it, Wisdom Cried, The People Rejected, and the nations are in turmoil. Wisdom cried, the people rejected, and the nations are in turmoil. The word of God in our nation. Now, this goes around the world, but I'm speaking of our nation in particular. Others can apply it to theirs. The word of God and the law of God has been preached up and down our land for not just years, but for millennia. 
And the word of God has been preached unto the inhabitants of this land and of this nation for so long. And it come to the place where prosperity came to our nation, prosperity of goods and prosperity of material blessing, as well, of course, as prosperity of the gospel and of the law of God. Our nation was built, the laws were built upon the law of God. And everything that has come from that has now been changed throughout the years that it would be more politically correct and adhere to the voice of man rather than what God has said. The Lord blessed us, the West in particular. The West was blessed with the abundance. And the Lord had said in Deuteronomy 33 and 13, we can apply this to the blessing that God has put upon us. In Deuteronomy 33 and 13, the blessing of Joseph it was, and of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord be his land, for the precious things of heaven, for the dew and for the deep that coucheth beneath, and for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon, and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, and for the precious things of the lasting hills, and for the precious things of the earth, and fullness thereof, and for the good will of him that dwelleth in the bush. Let the blessing come upon the top of the head of Joseph, of him that was separated from his brethren. That blessing has come without a doubt upon the West, upon our island home, and upon the United States and Canada in particular. And the blessing here of the ocean, we think of the fishing we had, think of the waters around us, even the minerals, the gases, the oil that's been surrounding our nations and within the land itself. We think of the bread basket that America once was. We think of the industry. And we think of how all of these things have been blessing upon blessing that has made our people rich, that has made our country wealthy. And of course, it was also for another a reason in verse 16, for the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof and for the good will of him that dwelleth in the bush. Was it not through the gospel? Was it not through enterprise that even our nation stretched forth its arms around the world and became at one part an empire and then now as a commonwealth? Was it not the blessing that came of the hospitals and the medicines and, and the schools and the learning and the teachings and the universities? Was it not us that also brought the gospel, the Bible, the printed word of God, brought the message of salvation? And the Lord has blessed our people. He has blessed this land. He has blessed our nation. And our nation became wealthy and prosperous. And our nation has turned it's back upon her God. The laws that our nation was built upon have been put out. Man no longer wants to know the ways of the Lord nor hear the gospel of saving grace found in our Lord Jesus Christ. This blessing of Joseph has come on us. And Joseph means God has added or Jehovah or Yahweh has added. And surely the West has been blessed. God has certainly 
most assuredly shown us comfort and shown us riches and shown us prosperity. And we have become uh, new to our new idols. We have changed in every way, in every direction, in every sense, and in every form. The idols are now the stadiums. The idols are in certain places of worship, but the idols are now the stadiums. The idols are now our sporting venues. The idols are now our theatres and our picture houses. The idols are now our families. And the idols are now throughout our nation, our comforts and our prosperity and our blessings and our wealth and all that we could attain. And now we find ourselves with this COVID-19 Everything is being shut down. That which we held dear over God and before the Lord is being taken away from us. Even our very freedom and our liberty to worship, our ability to worship where our churches could be packed. You know, our church, thank the Lord for it, is usually packed. And tonight we have a handful just to keep this ministry open in worship and on live feed. And notice here, we have an empty church, not because our people don't want to come. They do. We have an empty church because of a little virus that's dangerous to mankind, shutting down the economy of the world. Now, I don't want to get into it tonight, but the economy of the world is being shut down. We're going to have to borrow billions upon billions and billions of pounds to keep the country afloat uh, economically. And of course, then we have to look at where do we get the money from? Where does the borrowing come from? Who do we borrow from? And as I've told you before, I tell you again, it comes from the banking fraternities and families. And they are, uh, they are lending the money and they will reap the reward off that money. And our nation will be again, and the nations of the world, but our nation again, well, now I find itself that it is back even further than it was from where this started in debt and in danger. Notice this, brothers and sisters and friends. Comfort, riches, and prosperity have become our gods. Notice what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 22 and verse 21. I speak unto thee in thy prosperity. Notice, in your prosperity, God says through the prophet, I speak unto thee, but thou saidest, I will not hear. This has been thy manner from thy youth, that thou obeyest not my voice. Now, surely we could say this evening, in the way things are now, looking with hindsight, we've been preaching it for years, we've been telling people about it for years, and people have turned away, they would not hear. Even the things that are happening from the very prideful parades that are from Jerusalem and every capital city right through to our own, to the United States, to the abortion laws that are even greater now in our own little province, that the abortion laws are now getting worse and worse in every country, and that those uh, communist, uh, socialist, uh, uh, humanist parties are pushing the government that they may also take away, listen, they may also take away the life of men and women at their demand and their command, that they will want to finish the life which is God-given and God will take away, that they will also then push it one day, listen, for the disabled, and it will happen to the old. 
Is it not strange that this disease, this virus, is mainly a danger to the aged in our nation and to the sick with underlying ailments? Not only, but mainly. I speak unto thee in thy prosperity. When things are going well, no one wants the Lord. When things are going good, no one wants to hear of a God. When things are in prosperity, there's no such thing as God to people in our land. Notice the Lord says, you've been like this from your youth. In other words, you've been like this for years. God's long-suffering to our people. God's long-suffering to our nation. God's long-suffering to the covenant nations of the world. God's long-suffering to the United Kingdom and Ireland was he withheld his hand from pouring out his vengeance and showing his wrath. And he withheld the hand of the wicked one. And he withheld the wicked's reign. Notice, but now he says, you obeyed not my voice. Listen to Psalm 30 and verse 6. Psalm 30 and verse 6 says, And then my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. It's not what the people say. We're comfortable. We're fine. We're blessed. We have plenty. We don't need anything. Ah, we'll never be moved. We are too great. Notice in verse 7, Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face. And I was in trouble. I was troubled, he says. In other words, he's saying, I know you've blessed us. I know you've blessed me. But we understand that in our prosperity, we don't really want to know. He says, when you hid your face from me, then I was troubled. Then I was troubled. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, prosperity had evidently turned the psalmist's head or he would not have been so self-confident. He stood by grace and yet he forgot himself and so met with a fall. Surely we can see that in our land, that we have stood by the grace of God that sovereign grace of God, that grace of God that has kept our nation great, has kept our people doing well, and we did not want him, and now a great fall has come. It's only when God hides his face that the ungodly wonder what is happening. And now at this time, it's as if God has hidden his face from our nation, from our people. He has hidden his face in all the people, even those who are ungodly, those who are unsaved. And they say, where is God? We must hear the word of God. Even as I said this morning, people printing out and sending on social media scriptures from God's word. People want to know what's wrong, but here's what they do. They look to a human being to fix that which only God can fix. To heal that which only God can can heal. And now what they're doing is looking to a human being. And as I said this morning, we are so grateful for the bravery of our paramedics and the GPs and the doctors and the surgeons and the nurses and and so on in the medical profession. Very grateful for what they're doing. We and we support them wholly. There's a time and some of them just can't fix it. 
There's a sin problem and they can't fix it. And the people look for someone to fix it. They look for government to fix it. They look for government borrowing to fix it. They look for man to fix only that which God can fix. When God hides his face, the nation feels it. When God hides his face, the devil exploits it. I want to say it again. When God hides his face, the nation feels it. And when God hides his face, the devil exploits it. And he exploits it through human wicked hearts. He exploits it through those who are willing to get and to gain, even those who we have spoken of. People in the elitists and others like them will make money of the poverty of the people. When the Lord hides his face, the nation feels it. Every evil source, every wicked heart will try to make profit from it. And when God hides his face, the believer should understand it. So many Christians today, they don't understand what on earth's going on. I can tell you what's going on. God has hidden his face for a moment. God has lifted his restraining hand upon our land and upon the nations of the earth. That restraint that says, thus far and no further. Now God has lifted it because our people did not want to know the Lord and they sinned with impunity. They shook their fist at heaven and they spat toward God saying, we will not have this man to reign over us as they said about Jesus We will not have this God reign over us. The presence of God's almighty hand and power and common grace. Notice the common grace of God has been lifted. His warnings have not been accepted. His voice was not adhered to. And the preaching of his word and his long suffering has become terminal. No one would listen anymore to the preaching of his word and his long suffering has become terminal. It means it has reached an end at this point and God has stepped back to let us see what a nation, what a life, what a heart can be like without his presence. That's sad. That's tragic. That's terrible. I I hate to have to say that, but I believe that's what's happened. Robert Mossum once was asked, once asked the question, what soul can be deserted and not afflicted? What soul can be deserted and not afflicted? There are many souls out there without Christ, without God, without Christ and without hope in the world and they're afflicted with fear and pain but they're afflicted with sin. They're afflicted with sin and I'm so delighted this morning to see a man come on and say he wanted to be saved and a child of God even while there's just this little skeleton staff as we call it here to keep things going and the man was led by people like you online and told how to be saved And the man came at the end saying, I am now a child of God. We give God the glory for that. And maybe there's another one here tonight watching us, watching this, 
and listening, and God has opened your ear and opened your heart. You can receive him where you are, wherever you may be tonight. You can receive him as your own Lord and personal Savior. The psalmist said, I was troubled. I was troubled. The word troubled here is the word bahal. It means to be greatly troubled and to be sorely terrified. To be greatly troubled and to be sorely terrified. Listen, what he says, he says, For thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. Or thou didst hide thy face, and I was greatly troubled, and I was sorely terrified. That's what it would read. Greatly troubled and sorely terrified. The further we get into this virus that's coming, that's here, and that's getting greater and gathering momentum, and the further our nation gets into this, we're finding the hearts of men and women. They are terrified. They are sorely and terribly troubled. Notice the word prosperity in Psalm 30 and verse 6. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Oh, the amount of times I've heard men and women who do not want to know Christ as their Savior Oh, things are too good for me. Maybe when I need him, I'll call. Or maybe I'll get things in order someday and I'll think about this. Friend, I can tell you, there's many have thought this and never had the chance nor the opportunity and things have slipped them by. The prosperity has carried them and carried them away without Christ into a lost eternity. The word prosperity is the word shalev. You know what it means? Tranquility and security. Notice what he's saying. I speak unto thee in thy tranquility and security. I won't be moved. That's what the Christian heart can say. But in the tranquility and the security that God has given you, it's not for man to sin with. And it's not for man to get gain with, but rather... Is for man and woman to turn to Christ with. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10. We have a wonderful portion of scripture here. And notice what it says, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 10. The Lord says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggedest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou have eaten, notice when thou have eaten and be full, notice what the next verse says in verse 12, beware then, or then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. lest I forget the Lord. Who would have thought that so many people, even in our own assembly, and we pray for you and we think about it, have lost even their jobs because of this? We know God will meet the need. But how many of us would think that, uh, that, uh, that are not saved, are not Christ, that we're in prosperity here, everything's fine, and now suddenly they find themselves uh, and they're rushing and great hordes to the supermarkets to panic buy. 
Whoever would have thought that you've seen rows and racks of, of our Western supermarkets today, uh, that they can't keep up with the demand. And, and the people who were putting on their Facebook profile pictures, be kind, be kind, are suddenly taken away from those who need it. And the kindness is gone because their heart is shown. Notice, the Lord says, Beware then, lest I forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. This prosperity of our nation has caused our nation to become full of pride. Our people, full of pride for years. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. The apostle writes, For the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. It's the love of it. Notice what he says, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, the the love of the money. The word here for coveted is the word orego. Orego, and it means to stretch one's self out in order to touch I've got to have more. I've got to have more. Working on the Lord's Day even, and the places are filled, the shopping centers are filled. We've got to have more. We need more blessing. And God said our nation was to take one day of the week for rest unto him. And by this shall men know that thou art my people, he says. The places are packed full. Got to have more. They're stretching forward. Everything is great. Got to have more. We do not, we do not think of just exactly where we have been as a people and as a nation. And listen, there are many like that. Even today, I was sent a clip of one man, a preacher in the states, a well-known one. Touch the screen and send me your money, and you'll be healed of this virus. God forgive him. Give me your money and you'll be healed of the virus. Friend, it's not man's uh, 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 strength that we need. It's not what man can do for us that we need. And it's certainly not bought with money. We need the Lord Jesus Christ again in our lives and in our nation. Notice we have erred from the faith, many of us, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Stretch oneself out in order to touch or to grasp something it means. God went out the window, as, as we would say. God was away behind us and we stretched out and our, our lifestyles and our comforts, they all came before God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16, we see a different kind of stretching out. A godly kind of stretching out. Hebrews 11 and verse 16 speaks of those of the household of faith. It says, but now they desire a better country. That is, unheavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. 
This word here, desire, but now they desire a better country, is the exact same word for covet, only it's in a godly measure. That the man and the woman of faith in Christ, that the man and the woman of faith, born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled believers, they stretch out in their faith and they desire to be with Christ. They desire to be in the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city. They desire for his coming again. They desire his righteousness. And they stretch, as it were, themselves out with their heart and all that they have. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That's the coveting that the church needs. Not our airplanes. Not our six mansions around the world. That's the coveting that we need. A coveting, the desire to be with Christ. That Christ would come for more of him. Notice this here in Hebrews 11 and 6. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. This is a strange meaning here. God is not ashamed to be called their God. wonder when God looks at us and he's took his restraining hand I'm ashamed of this people. You see, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And that's why we keep saying about our nation bringing in right laws and godly laws, the gospel being preached. And notice here, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Oh, God, forgive us. You must have been so ashamed, Lord, you've lifted your hand. To be called their God, you know what it means? God was not ashamed to be surnamed their God. That's what it reads in the original text. God was not ashamed to be surnamed. For example, he calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Elisha cried, when Elijah was caught up, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? When he had his mantle and he smote that river. Where is the God of Elijah? And it means God was not ashamed. God was not ashamed. He was not ashamed to be called their God. The West was blessed. The West was blessed in every way. And what a picture of our society today compared to the scripture. Excuse me. Proverbs chapter 1, our reading, verse 20. Notice wisdom crieth. Wisdom crieth out and uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom crieth out and uttereth her voice in the streets. Someone has once penned this and said, this is called wisdom's impassioned appeal and the lost opportunity. It says here in the scripture, Proverbs 1, verse 20, please. Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? 
and the scorners delight in their scornings, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Here wisdom has cried, this little province of ours, of Ulster, especially Ulster, has been blessed with a church, as it were, a gospel-preaching church on every corner. There once was political parties that stood completely for the gospel, without wavering, for Christ without wavering. There once were men of influence in society who loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and there were open airs. You couldn't go through Belfast City Centre without passing many open airs on a Saturday afternoon. Just recently, there's an old man, and all he does is stand and he sings the gospel. Sings hymns. People laugh him, and they mock him to scorn. There are those who have been preaching in the open airs, and I see the people pushing their hands away, even becoming aggressive, I'm ignorant with the people. And we find that wisdom has cried out in the gates, in the courtyards, in the streets. And they would not listen to the Lord. Listen to Psalm 110 and verse 10. Psalm 110 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Notice, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here, wisdom cries in the streets, fear ye the Lord. Listen, people are afraid, and I don't blame people for being afraid. I understand why people are afraid. We're trying to tell, especially Christians, don't be afraid. Be bold for Christ throughout this uh, 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 coronavirus. But people get naturally afraid of this. And notice here, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The idea is that people can be afraid of many things in life. They can be afraid of death. They can be afraid of an accident. They can be afraid of different sicknesses. And they get afraid, but they have no fear of God. The worst fear that a man and a woman should have is to leave this planet, to leave this scene of time, to leave this life without the Lord Jesus Christ, without the fear and the reverence of the Lord in their life. That should be the fear that everyone's afraid of. Everyone should be taking stock and thinking through with heart, where am I in the light of eternity? And where am I in the light? For all of these are signs, the beginning of sorrows for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you, friend? Where are you with God? Where are you with Christ? Where are you? Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know him as your Lord and your personal Savior? Have you made your calling and your election sure? Are you blood-washed? Are you blood-bought? Are you saved in serving the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding of they that, listen, do his commandments, walking in righteousness before God. His praise endureth forever. Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, a man and the woman who fears the Lord, people think that Christians are stupid. I can tell you, we're not stupid at all. The men with the greatest IQ and the women with the greatest IQ on this planet don't have what we have. We have the fear of the Lord. We have the wisdom of God. And his perfect love casts out all fear because we will not stand in judgment because of Christ. Listen to Matthew Poole. Matthew Poole says, this wisdom is said to cry with a loud voice to intimate both God's earnestness in inviting sinners to repentance and their inexcusableness if they do not hear such loud cries. Do you know what happens? God sends forth wisdom from the preaching mouths of men and from the witnessing of men and women. And God sends it forth. And what he's saying is, this is a loud voice a wake-up call at this day and this hour and this loud voice. It is my earnestness inviting the sinner to come to me. Inviting the sinner to be saved. But also telling you, you're inexcusable if you do not hear or answer the cry. Listen to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Verses 16 and 17. The Lord Jesus is speaking and he says, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? And it's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. He's speaking here of the ministry of John the Baptist before him and now his own ministry. When the children used to play in the markets, and some people would have come around and listened to their playing, whether it be at a wedding or a funeral. And here he's saying, it's like John the Baptist, he's come, a fiery preaching. John the Baptist has come, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight straight his paths. The kingdom of God is coming. Christ is coming. You better get ready. Messiah is at the door. Salvation is at hand. Friend, we're still crying that. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Saying, now the Lord has come and he's even holding out his arms of grace. And he's offering the sinner to come. The unsaved to get saved. To trust in what he has accomplished at Calvary by the paying of your sins in full. By the shedding of his precious blood. In Proverbs chapter 23. Pardon me, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23. First of all, we have here God's reproof. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you and I will make known my words unto you. God says if you turn, he'll give you a spirit. Notice here, turn you at my reproof. God's reproof. It means turn back and turn away from your sin and turn to God. It means turn and be converted. The word my reproof is the word tokoha. And it means to turn at my correction, to turn at my chastisement, and to turn at my punishment. Now listen, here's three stages here. Turn at my correction. People won't listen. 
when God comes to correct. God has been trying to correct our people for years. To correct people, to, to softly bring them to him. And then it comes from there, it comes to chastisement. God starts chastening people. He starts getting heavier with it. And now it's coming, God's going to start punishing. He says, you turn. I have reproof. As much that the church has got up to, this ecclesia, the called out of God has got up to, they need to repent. The church needs to repent. The word here, tokaha, means also to turn at my impeachment of you. We almost hear recently of, of President Trump being impeached. You know what impeached means? It means a charge of misconduct, a charge of treason, an act of calling into question. God says, see what you've done to me. It's a charge of misconduct. Turn when I call you. I'm impeaching you because um, this is an act of calling you into question, the integrity of your soul. So the word of God calls us to turn away from our sin and to turn to God in verse 23. Turn you. And in verse 23 again, at my reproof. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24 and in verse 25. Notice what it says here. Verse 24. Because I have called, you've refused. I have stretched out my hand. No man regarded. Verse 25. But you have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. So first of all, in verse 23, he says, turn you at my reproof. At verse 25, he says, and would none of my reproof. He's calling you. And then he says, turn again. You'll have none of it. Such is our people. And then he says that I have stretched my hands out to you, but you have despised me. Verse 30, if you look at verse 30, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. It means they rejected with contempt and blasphemy. So here we have God's reproof. We have man's rejection. Man's rejection. Proverbs 1 and 26. The Lord says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, I will laugh. Now, this is not a, an expression of personal heartlessness by God, but it's the, what God is laughing, meaning here, he, he says, this is laughable, your absurdity at what you're turning away and what, from what is offered to you. That's the idea of this. I have offered you salvation, and it's absurd that you would turn this away. It shows the foolishness of man's heart and the rejection of the wisdom and the cry for men and women to turn and be saved. Proverbs 1 and 24, because I have called and ye have refused. There's man's refusal. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You stretched out your hand, Lord. Listen, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. There's nobody's went too far that he can't save you. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear you. You stretched out your hand, Lord. You know what he done? He stretched out his hand in the person of his son, right into our situation right into our sin right into this earth and and the son stretched out his hands when he was on the cross and he allowed him to nail him to the tree 
She says, I have stretched my hands out to you. I've stretched my hands out to save you. And you have refused that which I have done for you. Notice here as we round this up and bring this to a close, Proverbs 1 and verse 22 speaks of simple ones. Do you know what it means here? Foolish, silly, naive, one who's deceived or easily flattered. Isn't there people like that in our nation where they're being deceived by others, easily flattered, and it keeps them away from Christ? Verse 22, it speaks of simple ones, it speaks of scorners, and it speaks of fools. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. So the simple ones are those who are easily deceived, silly, and flattered. Secondly, the scorners are the ones who are arrogant. And it gives the idea, that it actually means to interpret. One who arrogantly speaks to another one to turn them away from God. And there are people like that. Show business, there's many like that. In academia, there's many like that. They're a scorner. They scorn Christ on the cross. They scorned at him. They laughed at him. The simple ones were took, took away by him. Even those who were in Jerusalem that cried, away with this man. It was the, the Sanhedrin and the high priest who got among the people. These scorners, and they said, call for his death and ask for Barabbas. Now we find scorners today the same. 30, the fools. The fools here are one who is dull. One translation says, one who is fat-headed and stupid. Trust tonight, if they're simple ones, or even scorners, or fools, that you'll turn to Christ at this time. So I'm closing with this. Proverbs 1 and verse 28 There may come a time when you look for God, he says, and ask where God is, and he's not there, and he won't answer. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. My spirit shall not always strive with man, he says. There's many saying, where are you, God, now? I've realized here, this is serious. I really am not going to live here with this mortal coil forever. I am going to end up standing before you in eternity. And I'm frightened and I'm afraid. And you're looking for him. You're saying he's not answering. Friend, I want you to know that tonight, if you're hearing this, you've heard it at the right moment because God has brought you to hear this. But there's many who haven't. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And so, God's reasoning is in verse 29 to 32. For they that hated knowledge did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore they eat of the, shall they eat of the fruit of their own ways. That's what's happening today. And be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity of the fools shall destroy them. Here's God's reasoning. 
For the turning of the way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of the fools shall destroy them. It gives the idea that there's lost, wandering sheep, men and women being destroyed by media, men and women being destroyed by the things that they're hearing, men and women being destroyed by the programming from our young children's minds right up through the years that they do not believe in God. There's men and women and their minds can't comprehend anymore even the most simplest things of God and they're like lost sheep and they're lost without God and without Christ and without hope in the world. God's reasoning with you tonight, friend. God is reasoning with our nation tonight. God is trying to reason with our people tonight. God is trying to reason with the United States and Britain and Ireland tonight, the United Kingdom. He's trying to reason with Canada, even to Australia and New Zealand, or wherever you might be across Europe or wherever else you are. Lost, wandering sheep, no longer able to know their way of their shepherd and in danger. And here's man's response in our last verse, Proverbs 1 and 33. Pardon me, God's reward in verse 33. But whoso, notice, whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell in safety and shall be quiet from fear or evil. It means you shall be at peace and at ease and rest you'll be saved. You'll be secure. And you'll be assured of your salvation. I trust God will reach someone tonight. Even that our nation, someone would hear something like this and start to think different. And that the fear of the Lord would enter this land for his glory and for his honor. Amen.